Today I want to finish up our series. We've been talking about the importance of staying connected and what does that look like to be connected. And we started with an understanding that you were made to connect. You were made for this, right? It's part of who you are. You were made to connect with Christ and made to connect with others. We didn't talk about the importance of this connection, that staying connected is what brings us into discipleship. Last week I used Paul as an illustration for finding the right people around you, and I encourage you, get the right people around you. And so I want to challenge your thinking today. Because maybe you were here and you heard that, right? You, you hear a song like, prepare me to be a sanctuary. And you hear a song like that, that it's just so powerful and inviting. And you say, I want to do that. We hear a message like last week which says, I, I need to be connected to the right people. But for some of you here today, you heard that message and you said, you know what? I've never experienced those blessings you talked about last week. I don't know what it is to be close to people. All I know is the pain that comes from being connected. All I know is the pain that comes from church people. And so today, I just want to challenge your thinking a little bit here. And I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I really am not. And I'm not going to try and say that it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters a lot. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I want to challenge you by saying you need the right people around you. Again, look at Jesus. He had a lot of people around him. He had people around him everywhere he went. Listen, Jesus had people from the worst of the worst sinners to the most elite of the religious elite around him. He had them all around him, right? But yet he didn't let everyone into his inner circle. There was only a few in his inner circle. And I know you say, well, what about Judas? Judas was in his inner circle and he betrayed him. Yeah, you're right. He did. And here's what that proves. People are people. And we've got to stop letting people stop us from our relationship with Christ. We've got to stop letting other people dictate whether I'm going to have a relationship with God or not. I've got to stop letting other people dictate whether I'm going to be connected to Christians or not. Because, yeah, not all of them are good and some of them are bad and some of them are going to hurt you. But some of them are going to help you. And some of them are going to pray with you in the middle of the night. And some of them are going to stand with you when you're going through difficulties. And some of them are going to support you and be there for you. And some of them are going to bring meals by when you're not feeling well. And they're going to be there with you when you need it the most. And this is what we see in Jesus, that no matter what happened around him, he never let that stop him. He didn't stop him from connecting with people. It didn't stop him from connecting to the Father. He never looked and said, this is too much. I'm not dealing with this. No. And this is what I want to deal with today. How do we overcome the excuses and the pain that keep us from connecting with people? How do we overcome the obstacles that stop us from connecting and stop us from experiencing the benefits and the blessings that we talked about last week? And so I want to use Paul as an illustration. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's in your Bible. It's on your phone app. And so turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In this passage, Paul's defending himself against people who are trying to tear him apart. Here we are again, right? Church people hurting him. And, and he's defending himself against the, the attacks that they've had. They've tried to destroy his message and they're trying to destroy his influence. And so in First Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 24, Paul starts sharing all of the things that he has faced at the hands of people. 
He starts to share all the things that he's faced as a result of sharing this gospel message. Listen to what Paul went through. Starting in verse 24 of 2 Corinthians 11, he says, Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers and from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, and danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. In 28, I like verse 28, he says, Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. But through it all, through it all, Paul stayed connected. He stayed connected to Christ. He stayed connected to others. Isn't that incredible? Because let's face it, most of what Paul faced, he faced at the hands of people. Right? He faced it at the hands of people who were close to him. He faced it at the hands of people he once stood with and sat in allegiance with and sat in training with. And these are the same people that have now turned their back on him and have turned people against him and go into the cities before him and, and rally the people against him. These are the people, his own people, are directly or indirectly attacking his ministry throughout his time together. And at some point you would think he'd just give up, right? At some point, you look at that list again. Just, just scan that list with me for a second. Just, just look at it again because you would think, you know what, somewhere after the third beating I took, sometime, maybe after the second time I was hit with, with, with rods, maybe after the first time, it only took one time for me to be stoned to death and left for dead, or maybe my first shipwreck, at some point I would look and say, you know what, I think I'm good. I think I'm just going to go home. I think I'm just going to wrap myself in bubble tape and wait for Jesus to come back. Right? I'm just going to kind of hide away and just kind of serve the Lord. And I'll, I'll still, listen, I'll watch online and I'll, I'll be a part of the service. You would think Paul would say that, right? I'll just, I'll just kind of retreat a little bit. It's not what Paul did, right? As a matter of fact, it's Paul who writes to us in the New Testament and says, listen, stay connected because you're the body of Christ. You need the people and they need you. You're connected together. He didn't do that. He stayed connected Matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 3, if you want to turn over there, he writes to us again about staying connected. It's a very common passage in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. He says this, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, there we go, you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So again, staying connected with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And in verse 17, he says, And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says, listen, everything you do should be done in the name of Jesus. Everything you do should be done to praise the name of God. Even the way you connect with others should be a way to connect and should be a way to, to worship God. 
He says, so you need to love one another. You need to be gentle and kind. You need to teach and admonish one another and correct one another and challenge one another to do everything in the name of Jesus. This is why we stay connected. And Paul could have, if Paul could write that, think about this for a moment. If Paul could write all of that after everything he faced, you need people around you. It just shows us the importance of this. It shows us how important it really is to stay connected to God and stay connected to others. Because listen to me, and I know if you've been hurt, this is going to be hard to hear. But the benefits of staying connected outweigh the pain you're going to feel by being connected. I, I Listen, I, I wish I could tell you you're never going to face another struggle and church people are never going to hurt you again. They're never going to say something mean about you again. I, I wish I could say that, but I'm here to tell you it's, I, I can't promise you that. But I can promise you this, being connected is going to outweigh the pain of that. The benefit of that moment when you walk through a season and there are people walking shoulder to shoulder with you and they know you and they've walked with you and they've cried with you and they've brought you through that season. In that season, you're going to look and say, this is worth it. This right here is worth the pain of what I've had to deal with. Because if he needed a group of people, then I'm here to tell you, so do you. And I know you say, well, pastor, I don't really need that. I, I'm good on my own. I, I've got it on my own. Maybe you're online and you're saying, nope, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on my own. I've been hurt like that and I'm, I'm good all by myself. And let's assume that's true, which I don't believe. But for the moment, let's, let's take your premise at, at face value. And let's, let's say that I believe that that's possible. Let's concede your point. Maybe you can do it on your own. Can your kids? How about your grandkids? How about that spouse who didn't grow up the way you grew up? Can they withstand? See, you have enough biblical foundation to make it, right? You have a biblical foundation enough to keep you grounded into God and grounded in the Word. Do they? This is how we get to Judges chapter 2. Some of you have no idea what that is. Judges chapter 2 in the Old Testament. You can turn with me there. But I want you to see this because Judges chapter 2, we read a passage of Scripture that is eerie to read as a Christian. Because we read about the Israelites who have seen God do miraculous things and seen God do powerful things and seen the mighty hand of God part seas and bring down manna and all these things that God had done for the people. But then we get over to Judges chapter 2 and this is after the life of Joshua. So this is after Joshua has led them into the promised land. This is after they've conquered the land and divided it all up and And Judges chapter 2 says this, and it says, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Listen. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work He had done for Israel. And as Christians, we read that, and it hopefully sends a shudder down your spine. It says, really? We're talking about a couple generations, and they didn't know anything about God. Anything about what God had done in their lives. Anything about what God had done for their families. And we look at something like that and say, how could that happen? Let me show you how it can happen today. Here's how it happens. You serve Christ, but you're disconnected from the body. You're okay because you remember church. You, you remember what it was like to, be, to, to have a foundation in God and in the church and in, in His Word. You, you remember those moments. You have those memories in your mind. But you've decided to disconnect because somebody wronged you. Now, your children don't have that same foundation. Oh, you still tell them that God is important and oh, I still love the Lord. 
we still watch online and we've, we've, we're, we're still here. But as a result, they're not nearly as strong as you are. Now, they start raising kids and Christ isn't even talked about in their home. Because they don't have the same foundation you once had. So they're not raising their kids in church and they're not raising their kids to know the Lord. And before you know it, you're two or three generations away and you're and, and, and they're looking saying, I didn't even know my family used to be in church. Two or three generations away and they didn't even know that their family used to be heavy involved in church and were faithful and committed to God and committed to the church. And church, here's my struggle with this. Why would we let someone else do that to our family? Why would we let somebody do that to us? Why would we let somebody else have that kind of control over our family and over what happens in generations to come? Why should we let that happen? And I know we expect more from Christians. It, it hurts more when Christians do it. I get it. I understand that. I've been there. I've experienced it. I know what, it's, what it is. But listen to me. Here's what I need you to hear this morning. Stop letting it stop you. Because it's right where the enemy wants you. Stop letting the enemy stop you from it. And determine in your heart that, you know what? I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to stay connected to Christ. And I'm going to stay connected to others. Besides, again, you may have that foundation. But do they? And what are you teaching them in these moments? Don't teach them to quit and withdraw. Because they may not be as strong as you. They may not be as motivated as you to keep going no matter what on your own. So they may not have that. And listen, they've got some battles ahead of them. And they've got some valleys ahead of them. And they've got some struggles ahead of them. And they better have some people around them who are going to walk with them. Because I'm here to tell you, the world is really good at coming around people. And they're really good at coming around broken people. And they tell them exactly what they want to hear and exactly what they, what they need for that moment. And I'm here to tell you, it leads them down bad roads every single day. They need Christians coming alongside of them saying, I'll walk with you. I'll stand with you. I'll protect your story. I'll protect your testimony. I'll pray for you and I'll be with you. So teach them how to do all of that. Use the hurt you've experienced to teach them that, you know what? Not everybody who calls himself a Christian needs to be in your inner circle. Not everybody who calls himself a Christian needs to have influence over your life. Not everybody in there needs to have that kind of access to your life. And so I've been hurt. And so let me show you what it looks like. Let me teach you how to do this. Because listen, in all of it, look at Paul. In all of it, all the things he faced, never did he disconnect. Don't let excuses separate you. Because again, it's exactly where the enemy wants you. It's exactly where the enemy wants your family. And he's patient. He's patient with you. He's willing to say, you know what? I don't go to church. Go, go to church. I don't, go, go, go to church. I've got your kids and grandkids. I don't care about you. Because you're the last one who will ever go to church in your family. I've got, I've, I've got your family. Church, listen to me. There should be a brokenness inside of us that says, not here, Lord. Not in my home. Not in my family. Lord, I want to be a sanctuary for you. I want to be what you called me to be so that I can be where you've had me be. Because, Lord, I don't want that to happen in my family. Because he's willing to just wait. And he's willing to let your offense turn into indifference. Because he knows that eventually that indifference will turn to hostility. And he's got it. He's got us right where he wants us. 
And so today, I want to challenge that thinking. And I want to challenge you to say, you know what, I don't want that for my family. And so there are a couple commitments that I want to share with you today. Three commitments that I want, I want to challenge you to make today that will help you fight against this struggle to withdraw and to isolate. Here's number one. Commit to engage in the struggle. Let me say that again. Commit to engage in the struggle. Here's what I mean by that. Don't let giving up, giving up be an option. That's it. That's what Ephesians 6 says, right? Stand your ground. Put on your armor. Stand your ground. You're not fighting people. You're fighting principalities. You're fighting demonic forces. You're fighting, you're fighting spiritual battles for your children and grandchildren and your loved ones and your spouses. We're not just going through the motions here. We're fighting spiritual battles here. And so, and so commit to say, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm not turning back. I don't care how other people treat me. I'm not going to let that determine my relationship with Jesus Christ any longer. I'm not even going to let it determine my relationship with other Christians any longer. Again, we see this in Paul. He was committed. He stayed the course. Matter of fact, last week I read to you the people he had around him, right? In, in that passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 4, I know every one of you remembers exactly what I'm talking about, right? But I read in Colossians chapter 4, at the end of Colossians chapter 4, here's, it's a greeting from everybody who's with him back to the church that he's writing to. And he's writing that in that passage. And there's a name that you may not recognize. It's a name by the name, a man by the name of Demas. Demas was one of his fellow workers. Matter of fact, when he wrote another letter, he wrote a letter to Philemon. He ended that letter and said Demas was listed among his fellow workers. But by the time we get to 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul tells Timothy, Hey, I need you to come see me quickly. I, I need you, if you're going to come visit me, I need you to come do it. And I need you to do it quickly. Because listen to what he says. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Many people believe that Paul wrote this at the end of his life. That this Second Timothy was that last, last letter, his last kind of will and testament that he wrote and was writing to his, his spiritual son. They, many believe that. And, and it got me thinking, if this was the last bit of it, don't you think at some point that frustration would be there that he'd write and say, you know what? Demas left me. You know what? I, I, I don't even know what to do anymore. I, I, just, I just throw my hands up. I, what's the point of any of this anymore? No, that's not what he said. He kept going. He said, listen, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And guess what? I'm going to be faithful to the end. I'm going to keep serving the Lord to the end. And I want you to come see me to the end. I want people around me at the end. I don't want this to just be myself and God at the end. I want people there with me at the end. Barnabas and Paul. I talked to you last time about Barnabas. How Barnabas stood and encouraged Paul. They ended up getting in a fight. And guess what? It didn't stop either one of them. Barnabas took Mark and went on a missionary trip. Paul took Silas and they went on a missionary trip. Why? Because these men determined that, you know what? I may have struggles with people, but I'm going to stay connected. I may struggle with individuals from time to time, but I'm going to stay connected to Christ. And I'm going to stay connected to the cause. And I'm going to stay connected in this struggle. And I'm going to commit that, you know what? I'm not giving up. I don't care what happens. And church, there has to come a moment in your spiritual walk and in your spiritual journey where you say, you know what? That's it. I'm not turning back anymore. 
I'm going to dig my feet in, and I'm not turning back anymore. I'm not running away anymore. Every time somebody says a mean thing to me, I'm not running and hiding anymore. It may hurt me. It will absolutely hurt you because you didn't expect it, and you didn't deserve it, and it hurts. But in that moment, you say, but you know what? I'm going to keep going because God has better things in store for me. God has better things in store for my family. God has good things in store for my home. And this word is not dependent upon anyone's opinion of me. This word is not dependent upon what everybody likes about me. This word is not dependent upon whether somebody says something nice to me or something mean to me. The promises of God will stand true no matter what. And one of those promises comes from Paul when he says, stay connected to the body of Christ because you need it and they need you and there's a purpose and a, va- and a value here. And so we need to hold on to that because again, the benefits are going to outweigh the struggle. So stay committed to the struggle. Here's the second thing I want to challenge you to commit to. Commit the time to connect. Commit the time to connect. Listen, I know you're busy. I know things come up at last minute, especially in an area like this, right? You know, listen, you know, traffic alone could be a a hassle to get to church at times, right? Just getting here could be a struggle at times. But can we... Can we please stop using that as an excuse to separate from church and separate from others? Somewhere in our heart, we've got to get to the point where we say, you know what? I'm going to stop using I'm busy as an excuse because guess what? Everyone's busy. Everyone has stuff going on. Everyone has stuff going on in their families. Everyone has stuff going on in, at their work. Everyone has stuff going on in their marketplace. Everyone has stuff going on everywhere around them. But here's the truth you need to understand. People do what they want to do. People make the time for the things they want to do. Watch. You, you, you talk to people all the time. Oh, I'm so busy. I got this going on. I got that going on. Oh, but I'm going to the baseball game. Now, I, I've carved out four hours to go to, go to a baseball game. Oh, I've carved out to go to the football game this weekend. You know, I'm so busy. I've got so many things going on. But I, you know, I, I, I'm going on vacation. Listen, we, we do what we want to do. We, we, we do the things that are important to us. And so here's what I want to challenge you. Make connecting one of those things. I'm not saying don't go on vacation and don't go to the football game and don't go to the baseball game. Listen, I went to a baseball game last week. It was great. Tracy and I loved it. We had a great time. We carved out the time. Matter of fact, we found out it was a doubleheader. We carved out more time to go to the game. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But somewhere along the line, we've also got to look and say, but you know what? This is just as important. Matter of fact, this may be more important. Because whether Fred Nats won or not, it doesn't change my life. This is going to change my life. This is going to get my family through some difficult times. And church, we've got to make this a priority. We've got to, we've got to stop making this optional. We've got to stop saying, you know what? I'll go to church once the guilt builds up enough that it tips the scales. And, and I feel like I need to go to church. Make this a weekly commitment. For you and your family, make this a weekly commitment. Make it says, listen, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, our family is going to be in church. Now, we may miss that from time to time because of other things, but we, Sunday morning, we will be in church. At 11 o'clock, we will be in church because it's church time. Because I'm here to tell you, when you make it optional, it becomes optional. Somewhere along the line, we've got to stop debating on Saturday night whether we're going to go to church tomorrow or not 
feel good about it? Do we have enough time? Do we, it's been a long week. It's been a rough week. Is this really something we want to do? Because I'm here to tell you, and, and here's the risk of that, right? It may be a debate in your house right now. But when your kids and grandkids get out of the house and they're leading their own families, there's not going to be a debate on Saturday night. They won't even be thinking about it. Because that guilt won't be there for them. We've got to make the time and commit to it and say, you know what? I need to be here. Because listen, the benefits of being connected happen when you're present. We can't say, oh yeah, I'm connected to that church. I just never go to it. No. The benefits of it are being here and being connected. And so be here. Connect to it. Don't just show up five minutes late and leave when we stand to pray at the end. Come early. Connect with people. I know it's risky. I know you got to talk with people. I get it. It's uncomfortable at times. I'm an introvert. I'm, I'm not the person who kicks the door open and says, hey, I'm here. Look at me. I'm not that person. But you know what? Come. Connect. If you want to stand on the wall, come stand on the wall with me. We won't even talk to each other. We'll just stand on the wall together. It, it'll be fine. We'll have the greatest time in the world. We'll, we'll think it's the best morning of all mornings because we can just stand on the wall together. But just come and be here and take the risk and say, you know what? I'm not just going to slip in and slip out and say, oh, that's my church. Well, who do you know? I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody's name. No, make the connection and get involved. I want to challenge you to do the same with a Bible study. Listen, we make it really easy to get in a Bible study. We've got a midweek Bible study. We've got a Bible study on Sunday mornings before church. Uh, we've got uh, small groups going on. Listen, there's plenty of opportunities to get connected to a Bible study. Make it a priority. And say, you know what? I'm going to carve out the time to make this a priority. I'm, I'm going to carve out the time to make this happen in my life because I'm going to commit to being there. I'm going to commit to growing with others. And I know. That can be intimidating, right? Sometimes it's easier to be in the large group than it is to be in the small group, right? Because what if, I, what if they ask me a question? Oh, what if I'm in Sunday school on Sunday morning and they ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it? I, what am I going to say then? Let me tell you what to say. You ready? Write this down. I'm going to tell you what to say. It's really easy. You ready? Here's what you say. I don't know. That's why I'm here. I, I don't know. That, that's why I came here. Because I want to know. And I promise you, church, listen to me. I promise you, there'll be other people sitting right next to you that have that same question. That'll be sitting there going, I don't know either. And that's why I'm here. Because church, we start to help one another. And we start to grow together. And we start to challenge one another. But you've got to be present for that to happen. So make the commitment to engage in the struggle. Make the commitment to be present. Here's the third commitment. The third commitment is this. Commit to find healing. Commit to find healing. When you've been hurt, commit that you're going to find healing from that. You're not going to run away. You're not going to isolate yourself. You're going to find healing. Listen, if you've been hurt by church people... Have everyone raise their hand, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that to you. But if you've been hurt by church people, then you're in good company. I promise you the majority of people sitting in this room would raise their hand if I said raise your hand if you've been hurt by church people. I promise you. majority of them would. You're in good company. And I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that to make light of it or make fun of it or to minimize it. 
I'm, I'm here to tell you, you're facing what everybody faces when they decide to grow. You're facing what everybody faces when they decide to engage in discipleship and spiritual growth. And so it hurts when church people hurt us. Because again, we expect it from the world, right? We expect it from people out there. We expect it from that person we just cut off in traffic. We expect it from that kind of stuff, right? We don't expect it from in this room. And so it hurts when it's from in this room. But listen to me this morning. Paul understands what you feel. Look at the scriptures. Look at the scriptures he wrote. Look at everything he went through. Look at everything we read this morning. He faced worse than what we have faced. And yet Paul, over and over again, writes to the churches encouraging them, stay connected. Forgive one another. Live at peace with each other. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with people. Love one another. Encourage one another. Share with one another. Stay connected to one another. Over and over again, we read these challenges from Paul. Why? Because Paul understands that it's going to be easy to disconnect. It's going to be easy to run away at times. But here's what I also want you to understand. Christ understands how you feel. I want you to hear that this morning, that Christ himself understands how you feel. The religious of his day, they hated him. They called him names. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They set up scenarios just to trap him. They, they'd create all, a whole scenario just to see what he would do, just so that they could accuse him and, 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 and trap him into something. They would, they would ask him questions that they already knew the answer to, but they would ask him questions just so that they could get his answer and accuse him of, of falsehood. But yet, they all hung around him, Right? They didn't do this behind his back. They hung around him. They went everywhere with him. They, they, they invited him to their house. They invited him to dinner parties. He, he was everywhere with them. But yet, when he'd leave, they'd gossip about him and lie about him and call him names. And I said all that to say this. Christ knows the pain you're carrying. If nobody else understands the pain you're carrying, you need to know that Christ knows the pain you're carrying. Christ knows what it is to be invited to a party just so they can make fun of you. Christ knows what it is to walk down the street and have everyone just turn their back on him because they don't want him in their circle anymore. Christ understands that pain. But yet in Matthew 11, he writes this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Christ looks out across and says, I know how you feel. Come to me. When you feel broken, come to me. When you feel that pain, come to me. Learn from me. I, I know how you feel. Learn, learn from me. Sit with me. I'll, I'll show you how to overcome this. And so I want to challenge you today. Stop trying to carry that pain and burden by yourself. But also, stop letting it stop you. Commit today. It says, you know what? I'm going to engage in this struggle. And some days are going to be easier than others. And some seasons are going to be easier than others. But I'm going to engage in this struggle. I'm going to stay connected. I'm going to stay connected to God and to others. I'm going to commit the time. I'm going to carve out the time this is no longer going to be optional for me. 
I'm going to carve out the time for this. And in those moments when I feel that pain, in those moments when those words cut deep into my spirit, I'm going to go back to Jesus for my healing. I'm not going to run around and try and find everyone who's going to stand with me. I'm going to go to Jesus and find my healing. And when I find my healing, I'll take that healing back to those I've connected to. And I'll use it to strengthen us even more. Praise team, would you come up? As we get ready to close, I want to just encourage you. Don't let pain hold you back any longer. Find your people. And get the right people around you. Again, not everyone who calls themselves a Christian needs to be in your inner circle. So start praying. Asking God for discernment. Asking God for wisdom. God, who do I need around me? Reveal it to me. And sometimes that revelation is going to be painful because they're going to talk about you and you realize they weren't the friend I thought they were. But that doesn't mean I don't have friends around me. It doesn't mean I don't have people praying for me, standing with me, loving me. And so I'll stay connected. Would you stand with me? Thank you for joining us online. Before I let you go, I want to just challenge you with one thing. Maybe you've been watching online for a time because you don't want to interact with the body of Christ. Maybe you've been hurt and you said, you know what, this is safer for me to just interact remotely. If that's true, here's my challenge to you. It's time to come back home. It's time. Come back home. Find your healing. Find your strength. Come back home. If there's a way that I can pray for you, fill out a connect card. I'll pray for you this week. If there's something I can do for you, fill that out. It only comes to me. And I'll do whatever I can to help you. But thank you so much for being here. I'll pray for you this week. Thank you so much.